Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 138. This week, we talk with David Katu about 3D for the web using Babylon.js. Microsoft earnings are on fire. Someone has invented a car for a goldfish. And Carl stocks up on 16 terabyte hard drives. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. This week, we have David Katu, Principal Program Manager at Microsoft, creator of the podcasting app Cast, creator of Babylon.js, huge fan of Magic the Gathering, and he recently created the app Collecto. How's it going, David? I'm doing perfect well. Thank you guys yeah. for the invitation. Yeah, I should say welcome back because uh, I know yeah. the last time you were on, um, <laughs> I was like, hey, we should have you on for Babylon JS. And I commented before the show, you uh, now you have this new app, Collecto. So every time you come on, you give us an idea for for the next show. So <laughs> perfect, <laughs> invitation accepted. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Carl, what do we have for the comment of the week? Uh, we have another comment on our Stack Overflow podcast. Uh, it was uh, on Twitter from Michael Toner. Uh, he was uh, uh, just listening to the episode, and he was kind of shocked that there's zero stored procedures at Stack Overflow. Yeah. And uh, kind of because of that, he's now checking out Dapper, their ORM that they've yeah. uh, created after uh, finding a few performance issues with Link to SQL. Yeah. And they are still using some Link to SQL. I was... Uh, uh, saw that today on uh, Twitter from uh, Nick. Yeah. He mentioned that they still have some spots that are using it. So Dapper looks really cool though. I like it's a super, super lightweight. Uh, basically, you know, you can go, you can write like queries directly against like a SQL connection and SQL reader and all that kind of stuff. They've basically put just like a tiny lightweight wrapper on top of that. That has some, some useful features that you don't use all the time. <laughs> and it's, it's a really cool ORM. I would say for most people like link to SQL, like that performance penalty is worth it. Cause it's a little bit easier to use, but um, it's just cool. Cool that they have it. Yeah. So if you want to get mentioned on the show, uh, like Michael did, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We especially like those five-star iTunes reviews. Yes, we do. Yeah, we'll have to check those again soon. Uh, okay, so let's jump into the news. We don't have a whole lot. Um, some some pretty simple news here, but uh, worth mentioning nonetheless. So the first one here, this one, I, I read it, and then I saw a, a familiar face at the bottom, but it's called, You Are Responsible for Telling Your Story. Yeah, um, this one came from Jess Borland. Uh, she's a coworker of mine, and she's mm-hmm. been on the show before. Yep. Uh, she noticed, you know, it's kind of like annual review time. You know, it's the beginning of the year. A lot of people are getting their yearly reviews. And, you know, just as kind of a reminder, like when it comes time for this, your boss isn't going to go out of the, out of their way to like make sure that you are as well represented as possible. It, it's up to us individually when we have these times, you know, it's we, we need to create craft our story. So it sounds good. It's specific, you know, it, it crafts the message that we want to hear uh, for whatever it is we want. Some people, you know, want to get a promotion, more money, more vacation, whatever it may be. We all have our goals and really at the end of the day, we're the one driving our own, uh, career cart. And if we're not, then we're being pulled by somebody else. Yep. So 
Yeah, I would say what's interesting if you have if you have a, a true annual review, which I think is uh, which I think is too long. <laughs> like, <laughs> like David, we do video, by the way. <laughs> so for our video, yeah, someone tried to enjoy my. <laughs> no, that's so so for the for the video viewers, they you know it's just it's just kind of amusing. Uh, you have to go watch watch video. But anyway, what I was saying is if if you are at a place where they do annual reviews, like first of all, that's way too long. But um, if that happens, like. Yeah, you you really have to be diligent in keeping records because a year ago, I mean, that's a long time. That's like an eternity in this world. So keep track of those things you did back in the early part. But yeah, to her to her point, you know, tell tell a story, which I never had thought about doing. Um, I I have different advice, but I think that's great advice. Um, one thing that I I I put it in the comments, um, or in her comment, I I commented on her post. I don't know if it's been moderated yet, but I'd love to have her come up with like some examples. And I don't know if she wants to post hers, but I would love to see like you know, here's like what it normally looks like. And here's, here's what it looks like told in a story. So that's my request out to her. So we'll see if she does that and updates her post, but either way, like it's, I thought it was super creative. So good job, Jess. Uh, someone has invented a car for goldfish. that can be driven around by its position in the tank. Speaking of useless. Yeah. IT. <laughs> so you call it useless. I call this awesome. Uh, I mean, this is obviously somebody's you know, way to experiment with some IOT, um, Obviously, they have some sort of sensor that can tell where this goldfish is in the tank. And, and there's an animated GIF. Go to the show notes and check it out. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and wherever the relative position is that the fish is uh, in the tank, it steers this cart in that direction. So it's kind of simple. But yet, you know, the skills that you get from doing a project like this are, are, are immense. You learn so much when you do uh, things like this, things that you normally don't do on a day-to-day project, unless you normally build robots that can steer based upon environmental input. But yeah. um, I, I think it's cool just to check out. It's just a short animated GIF on Twitter, but well, we should probably talk uh, about the tech. I, I think it's worth. Yeah. So there's, there's clear, there's like a camera on a pole, right? So it looks down at the fish. Which is, I think, a pretty yep. clever way of doing it because then you can see the, you know, you can basically translate that into X, Y coordinates. Um, I think it's kind of obvious where the fish is. There's probably some contrast yep. detection there. And then it looks like there's uh, some kind of computer underneath. Um, the only thing is, I, I wonder, I don't see any sensors on there. So, like, how do they keep it from running into something like spilling over? Uh, so, so if you can't tell, they also have are running this in a ginormous area. Yeah. So, like a gymnasium or something. So, it's a little bit easier if you don't have to uh, have those constraints either. Yeah. This is a stupid question, non-technical. Does the fish, like, have any clue that this is happening? <laughs> it's probably really confused because it looks like it's slashing around quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if the fish is just in a panic because everything's moving and then just making it move more and... I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, I'm not a, I'm not a goldfish biologist. So, um, let's see here. Oh, this one, this one's good news for, for us, David, Microsoft blows past estimates in every category and beats the street. Good. Did you see there was an earnings call yesterday? Yeah. I appreciate this kind of news. Yeah. <laughs> Make that stock price. So speaking up. of annual re- reviews, it's time to ask for that raise. <laughs> yeah, <now>. Correct. <laughs> well, no, it's kind of too late at this point. Well, yeah, this would be a good time, but, um, in the past, um, just hopefully you got lots of, uh, lots of stock because <laughs> it's all going up right now. No, I, this is, this is great. I mean, we, I do a lot of stuff in Azure and, uh, a lot of this is being driven by the, by the cloud and the work that we're doing there. It's a huge success. I, this, the success I'm seeing with partners, I mean, there, I went from, you know, three years ago, people saying like, eh, I don't know about this whole cloud thing to like, okay, we're interested. Let's start talking about it. Now it's like, they're banging down the door. Like, okay. 
I'm all in. How do I do it? You know, and now it's just a matter of how it's not a matter of why, like we're totally, for the most part, we're past those discussions. I'm sure that not everybody is on that same place in that journey, but um, it's just an awesome place to be in right now. Yeah. The one thing that's mentioned in this post that 90% or Azure made a 96% growth, Mm -hmm. which it, which already was a a very large share of, of Microsoft already. And to have that kind of growth is just, you know, at this stage, you know, it's, it's still kind of early, you know, tech, but it's uh, out of the cloud providers, it's, you know, neck and neck with Amazon. So to have that kind of growth in this kind of uh, market says quite a bit. Yeah. I don't even know if it's early though. I mean, I don't know if I can, I mean, if you look at obviously like a 50 year time horizon, it is, but the, the thing is like, you know, Azure, the, the first, you know, and I would say pretty terrible incarnation of it was back in what, 2007, 2008, 2009, somewhere, somewhere around that time period. Um, you know, so really it's like, we're like a decade in, um, you know, a couple of missteps along the way, but I think, I think it's got, it has such a clear vision now. And I think, I think that's what people are seeing. Like it, it makes sense to everybody. It makes, it makes sense from a business perspective from like an economics perspective, like just the stars are all in alignment now and, uh, it's just going to keep getting better and better. I mean, I don't know. I guess I can't say like buy lots of Microsoft stock, but yeah, buy lots of Microsoft stock. <laughs> Yeah, but is that like an SEC violation? I have no idea. <laughs> Don't listen to me. Um, and then um, Seagate will bring 16 terabyte hard drive to market within 18 months. We should have talked about this before the cloud. <laughs> so gigantic yeah, so, hard drives. So, you know, there's a, there, you know, obviously that's, you know, a statement uh, about the, how, how we're pushing the edges of technology. But there's a few uh, nuggets of information in here that I thought were, kind of interesting they said uh today they already have 10 terabyte drives that uh are about 500 dollars, mm-hmm. which a little pricey but not too bad um but the the very last sentence of this article really uh kind of perked my interest it says that seagate is pushing that the minimum drives sold in laptops and in computers is they want to raise to the one terabyte level and uh you know, I think that's really important because even though we have a lot of stuff like cloud storage, uh, a lot of stuff like OneDrive really wants to sync a lot of stuff back to mm. you to have a local copy. And so still having large hard drives has a certain place for certain things, especially when you want to have your music collection or, you know, you have a lot of uh, media or other things that do get synced back and forth between these. Um, I recently got a hardware upgrade at work and the uh, SSD that came in, it's 512 gigs, mm-hmm. which is, is plenty for average dev work. But by the time you sync all of your source code and dev files and you link your personal OneDrive and you accidentally sync all of your pictures from eternity on there, <laughs> you know, it fills up pretty quick. Yeah. Not, not that I did that. But. No, of course not. So, but the, the, here's the problem I have with that. Sta- like, I love the statement, but the problem is like, we're actually making the SSD. I mean, cause they don't specify SSDs, right? So all they're doing, no, I, am, I think this is a spinning rust one. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's my biggest problem with it. Like I, I would rather have a smaller drive that is as SSD. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it just, even, even in cheap laptops, like I, I just cannot condone to anybody, anybody to buy a machine without a solid state drive. So feel, feel free to disagree, but like I, I have, I own one computer that doesn't have an SSD 
And like whenever that windows update comes down, like the one day it was sitting there for what, like a half hour or something like what is wrong with this computer? This is an I seven. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't, didn't put an SSD in it. Cause it's a kitchen computer. Like it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Oh. Like once the thing is booted, you know, so I kind of get it from that standpoint, but still like, it just destroys my experience. Like if, if that thing would have had a 128 gig SSD, 256 gig SSD, it would be, that computer would be so much better than what it is. Um, and I'm, you know, I keep I, talking about replacing it, but I don't know. <laughs> well, well, I, I have a PC that I've had since, uh, uh, Vista was new. And yeah. the only thing I've really done to it other than upgrade the operating system is it's on its like second solid state drive yeah, exactly. and, and it, it's still chugging along. And in fact, my kids prefer that one to the newer one that's sitting right next to it. Yeah. There you go. Um, okay. So that's all we have for the news. So let's, let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk to David, um, because he's got this really cool project. Uh, so I guess, first of all, what is Babylon JS? Okay, um, so what is Babylon.js? Uh, Babylon.js is a 3D engine that I wrote for JavaScript initially, and it's still now for JavaScript, but we are using TypeScript to build it. Uh, and the goal of Babylon.js is to allow any JavaScript developer, or I would say any web developer, to create 3D scene, 3D experience, without having to deal with shaders, GPU memories, and all the complexity of uh, um, dealing with a 3D world, like mathematics, vectors, matrices, this kind of stuff. The goal is with a few lines of code, like one of one to 10, you should be able to display a rotating cube with a texture on it. And that's kind of like the hello world of 3D, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's clearly the entry point, yes. Then you can... Um, expand your skills and do more stuff with Babylon.js. We we used to work with Ubisoft, for instance, on a version of Assassin's Creed for the web. So you can create a full game with it. But we really think about it as a um, as something that you need. That if you want to use it, it's extremely easy to use. Like simplicity is foundation for for Babylon.js. So literally, if I wanted to do Hello World in 3D, that would actually be way more difficult, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you have to deal with so many stuff. <laughs> That's very interesting. <laughs> I'll have to write another, another thing so that I can convert text into into 3D objects. I'm sure that exists. Think about that. Yes, creating a 3D text, it's, it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So what does the code actually look like? Is it something that, that mortals like me can understand? Um, if you're a developer, you can st- clearly understand it. If you're a C-sharp developer, for instance, because we are now using TypeScript, uh, it's pretty readable. Uh, TypeScript is, um, I would say, the um, the cousin of C-sharp and JavaScript. You know, right. It's close to both of them. Um, the main pain point if you deal with JavaScript when you are a C-sharp developer is that there is no type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be really um, something complicated for you. Um, so TypeScript you, fixed that. You they yeah. introduced typing. Right. So you must use interfaces then in TypeScript so that I can pass in JavaScript objects and you basically look for certain properties. Is that how you're actually doing that? Uh, we try to um, provide typings for every uh, entity. Okay. So we have a interface, um, we yeah. call that a mixing that describe how the object is. Actually, yes, in JavaScript, there is no description and you can add the property at any, at any time or remove one or add a, f- yeah. uh, a function or remove it. That's extremely dynamic and like, extremely powerful 
for this specific reason, but it's also a little bit scary mm -hmm. if you are a C-sharp developer because you are not ready to have an object that could be that yeah. dynamic. Yeah, unbuckle the seatbelt and sit on top of the car. and. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, at uh, 100 miles per hour, yes, that's... Uh... Yeah, so this is interesting to me. So so first of all, the, the reason I ask that is because, and, it, and this is really like a TypeScript discussion, but um, that is one of the cool things about TypeScript, I think, is that... Um, is that it has this concept of interfaces and it's a little bit different than other languages because you can literally say in your interface, like, Hey, I need a first name and an age. And then in JavaScript, you could pass in an object. And as long as it has those two properties, it doesn't yeah, matter what correct. it is. It works. It's, it's a contract. It's exactly yeah, a, it's contract. a contract. Yeah, exactly. More, yeah. As long as you provide this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, if you think about uh, C sharp, it's also the same. It's an interface. You can have two classes implementing the same interface, providing yeah. Different properties and yeah. methods. I guess the yeah, the difference is in in C sharp, you actually have to say, "Hey, my class implements this interface." It's not just right. implied. Yeah, it's not live. Yeah, we don't discover that live. Yeah, so. they should add that to C sharp. That'd be a cool feature. Anyway, um, what I wanted to ask you then, so I think it's that's really cool that it's in TypeScript. So because I think the advantage you get, right? Like I could either I could write my code in TypeScript, and which I would love, um, and then it's um, I'm like in this full safe system, or if I'm in JavaScript. Um, you know, I've unbuckled the seatbelt and I'm going hundred miles an hour, but I still get the IntelliSense, right? Like you, you right. the IntelliSense is all free because it's inferring it from the TypeScript types. Correct. Correct. And know, actually really cool. a lot of people are using Visual Studio code with typings from TypeScript yeah. to just get this IntelliSense support, which is great. Okay. Very cool. Awesome. So you mentioned that, uh, Babylon JS is a, a web, uh, technology. So why did you go about creating this instead of using something like WebGL directly? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, simplicity. Obviously, simplicity. If you want to deal with WebGL, it's like, let's say you are a C-sharp developer and I ask you, please deal with um, DirectX. So it's something uh, that you could do, obviously, but you mm -hmm. then have to learn shader languages, how a GPU works, how we can interact between GPU, CPU. You have to learn all the DirectX API. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, understand how 3D works in the... Um, uh, in real time. That's a lot of stuff. That's not impossible. But the time that will be spent between now and the moment you will be able to display your rotating cube is like in weeks or months. Yeah, I, I, I went. Yeah, I went out and I looked at like I wanted. I had never even looked at what how WebGL worked, but I, I saw like a lot of matrix stuff, a lot of matrix yeah. math, and I was like, whoa, no, thank you. It's completely <laughs> comparable to DirectX. You have to deal with the really low and yeah, you're really close to the metal. You yeah. are at the metal level, almost, where Babylon JS try to um, uh, encapsulate that and provide you, like, uh, we have feature features like QuickBox, and we deal with everything, implementation, memory exchange, optimization, generating shaders for you, etc. And from your point of view, it's like, like, it's literally one line of code, QuickBox. That's pretty cool. So who is the target audience then? Any uh, developer, any web developer that wants to do 3D. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can give you some uh, reference that we have. So we used to work with game development like uh, Ubisoft, but it's also uh, Babylon GS is, is used by um, US Army for some simulations. Oh, cool. It's used by nice. um, movies, uh, movie makers uh, because they want to have... Uh, uh, special effects representation live. It's used uh, for uh, schools. It's used for a lot of stuff, architectural stuff, etc. It depends. Uh, anytime you need 3D on the web, which is pretty often, actually, uh, then Babylon JS can be used. 
Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. Can I, if I already have like 3D assets, uh, can I bring any kind of 3D asset in already? Or is there uh, some way that I have to convert them to use them in a way that Babylon likes? Uh, so we have two, two responses for this specific uh, question. The first one, you can bring your asset as long as they are in the list of supported importers that we already have. Uh, so the, the world of 3D is a, a wide space. It's like, it's a war. Every company try to um, enforce their own format because they consider it better than others. There is no, um, there is no JSON for the 3D, okay. like no obvious way uh, to describe something in the, um, in the 3D world. So there are some experiments so far with the GLTF format, which is a format um, we are supporting, uh, but companies can work with FBX, uh, OBG, um, any kind of 3DS, any kind of format. So the the, the goal with BabylonJS was first try to support the major one. So if you have a, an asset and that you produce it with I don't know Maya or 3DS Max, that's okay. okay. We can load it. <clears throat> For everything else, we are supporting um, directly the 3D asset uh, tools like 3DS Max, uh, Blender 3D. Um, Cinema 4D, Unity 3D. So if your assets are inside this tool, then we can export them to BabylonJS. Okay, so I can probably get it in there. Then, like, what, what, how is that actually stored then? Like, how can I modify it somehow? Like, let's say I want a coffee cup and I want to like have a 3D view of it, and I don't know, I want to put, uh, I want to put the MS Dev Show logo on it. Let's say. Um, Good idea. Yeah. So I bring, I bring the cup in. Obviously, doing that is is probably. It's probably not difficult because I can actually just add the label on the outside. But if I wanted to make the cup taller or something like that, I mean, is that something I can do through JavaScript or do I have to change the model? No, you can do both. You can do okay. both, actually. If uh, the level of um, modification is not that high, you just want to scale it on one axis, that's fine. We um, Every object that we support provides scaling, rotation, and position property. Okay. So you say, my object dot scaling dot y uh, star equal three, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be three times bigger on y-axis. That's done. If you want to uh, integrate, I don't know, um, elephant ears on it or like uh, adding stuff really complicated, then my suggestion would be to use a 3D tool like 3ds Max, okay. Unity, or whatever, and then re-export it to BabylonJS. Okay. It's more about convenience, actually, <laughs> if you want to spend <laughs> time doing your change or just doing that quickly. Well, sort and of, then... Yeah, because it's sort of like declarative versus code, right? Like your model is declarative and then, you know, you don't want to necessarily represent all that in code, right? Yep. Okay. But you can. If, if yeah. you want, you can just open the open the car and just check at the engine and even open the engine and check how the engine works. It's Everything is open source and free. So you can 
modify whatever you want. Okay. It depends on what's your goal. Okay. So I, I was wondering if you had some good examples of people who are using Babylon online that we could go check out and uh, get inspiration from. We have that. And actually, that's one of my uh, motto. The code is only 50% of your work. The other 50% is uh, letting people know that uh, what they can do with your uh, with your tool. So if you go to babylonjs.com, you will find a list of demonstrations. We try to uh, capture uh, the biggest one. So, um, uh, for instance, we have several demonstrations done by National Geographic. Uh, National Geographic, they are, they are creating uh, TV shows, uh, one about animals in Africa, another one about how to um, uh, conquer Mars. Mars sorry. Um, and for both TV shows, they are providing uh, companion experience on the web, and they are using BabylonJS for that. We have different companies using BabylonJS to uh, promote or highlight several tools. And here at Microsoft, we are using BabylonJS for the Remix 3D website uh, on the Xbox website as well, where you can uh, customize your gamepad with your colors or whatever. It's using BabylonJS. Uh, the Huffington Post is using it to display 3D um, videos, um, etc. I wasn't listening. I'm playing this uh, prosecution game. <laughs> this is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you played this it's one? It's like a plane on a on a sphere. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. So this game was the, the winning game of um, uh, gaming school. Oh, okay. And perhaps the name is not really. <laughs> like how much code? How much code goes into something like this then? Oh, this one it should be like four hundred line of code. I oh guess. wow! Yeah, this is awesome. I love it. This is super fun. <laughs> what what game is that again, Jason? Pro- Prosecution. Do you see it on the front page there? I see it below the watch demo. Yeah. Yeah. So play that. You just use the arrow keys to fly around, and you got to avoid the missiles. The um, the fifth one, the name, the one named Ruins. Yeah. There is zero line of code. Actually, just one. One to load the scene. <laughs> everything, everything regarding this scene, from the point of view of the developer, was done inside uh, 3ds Max. Really? So, so yeah. th- I'm going to ask you a stupid question. So, if if I was just using WebGL, can, is there a way to do that or not? Are you? D- that's that's the whole point. Obviously, obviously, there is because we are doing it. <laughs> well. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, it, it wouldn't be one line of code in WebGL, right? No, no, actually, you can count in uh, hundreds of thousands of lines of code. And wow. That we are, it's not just about the 3D itself, it's also about portability and compatibility. We make sure that it works on iPhone, Android, Windows Phone, wow. on tablet, on PC, on Mac, on Linux, on every browser out there, the Firefox, Chrome, every version. It's um, a lot of time working on, on compatibility and being able to be really the, the, the real one, the real cross-platform stuff. Yeah, this Ruins one is, uh, it's run. what's amazing is on my Surface Book, it's running at 60 frames per second. Um, yeah. It looks fantastic. Um, so- and this one was produced 100% without code, just using 3ds Max. That's pretty amazing. I'm just, I'm really distracted. You play that game, Carl? I, I had to turn it off because I was blaring <laughs> some pretty awesome music in my head. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. Anyway. If you scroll, if you scroll, so the, the, the website is organized this way. You have first demonstration of uh, users using the application, and then yeah. you have a second part, which is features, and you can then oh, okay. try only a single feature of BabylonJS, so collisions, uh, cloth simulation, HDR maps, refraction, shadows, oh, blah, blah, cool. blah. Those are cool. I'm I'm looking at the collision one. That's pretty cool. And then facet data. These are these are super awesome. Yeah, this really shows the power. Oh wow! Try that facet data one there, Carl. It's like a it's like spaghetti flying through the air with a whole bunch of uh, 
Pouring M&Ms on spaghetti, a simulation. <laughs> anyway, four hours later. Um, so how does this run on like lower power devices? Like I have my service book happens to have a GPU. Um, you mentioned it runs on phones. Um, yep. Does it run? I mean, like, will this run at like 60 frames per second on my phone or how, how does that work? It depends on the scene. We provide tools to help you reduce the complexity of your scene. So um, there is an um, automatic way. So for instance, if we detect that uh, you are not running at 60 frames per second, we can try to reduce the quality of textures or we can try to reduce the complexity of the simulation if you are running the physics simulation. Or we try to turn off some advanced features like highlights or uh, um, refraction, which are pretty expensive. Um, we also try to reduce the resolution of the rendering. Uh, we are not forced to render a full resolution. We can do, yeah, look at that, 60 frames per second. Yeah, there we go. If you're on video, you can see the the, the M&M and spaghetti demo. <laughs> On so your phone. This, this one is clearly EV on the CPU. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a Windows phone, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> this is an iPhone. <laughs> it works on iPhone. Yeah, the iPhone has a pretty powerful... Um, yeah, it's iPhone 7, which is kind of ridiculously overpowered. Yes. But even if you run that on a, a smaller phone, like uh, the Nokia 435 that I have here, you are running at 30 frames per second, which is great. Wow, that's pretty good. We reduce the, 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 the frame rate a little bit to ensure uh, fluidity. So, And it's done for you under the wood. You don't have to care about it. If you don't want to yeah. think about it, you are not forced to. If you want to try to hijack that and do some precise stuff, obviously you can. It's not a closed engine. You can do whatever you want. But by default, our motto is fun, uh, fundamentally simplicity. Very cool. So, so can Babylon uh, take advantage of GPUs uh, to help accelerate some of the processing or is it limited? Actually, it's all about GPU. Okay. Well, this one works on the phone too. Look at this. 60 frames per second playing this game and you just move your finger back and forth. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah you're good at this game. You're avoiding home size. I'm not, I'm not even, yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> move, I wasn't even right. looking at the screen, man. I have to look at my, I have to look at my computer screen, which is going through the webcam, which is showing that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm going to package that up in game and start selling that for buck 99. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the idea. Actually, we try to, um, um, for, for me, the, the real response when you ask me what's the best cross platform tool, whatever it is, it's uh, the web. And even for game here, you can see for, uh, not big triple uh, A game, obviously, but for, um, double A or simple A games, you can use the web. It works everywhere. I just have to spend a little bit of time on it, but okay. And, and I believe I've seen you given a demo where you've actually taken uh, uh, this and used it as a hosted web app as well. Correct. Correct. We work with our friend um, Jeff Bertoft. He's uh, leading the uh, PWA, the, the new progressive web app um, initiative for Microsoft. So you can take the game that just uh, that Jason showed us recent, just right now yep. and embed that inside the PWA builder and you have an app that can run on any uh, store. Google Play, Apple Store, Windows Store. Wow, this is a cool way to make games. Yep, so it's what, a good way to make games and just write it once. Yeah, you. absolutely. So what's uh, what's in store for the future of this? So the, we are working on version 2.6, which is a minor version. We are fixing bugs and adding minor stuff. The, the biggest one will be version 3.0. We will introduce WebGL 2 support. Okay. So, so far, we are supporting WebGL 1, which works almost everywhere. WebGL 2 is clearly, it's like DirectX uh, 12 versus DirectX 9, mm. really advanced feature, a lot of stuff, but not really um, 
uh, cross-platform. It's going to work for now only on Chrome and Firefox for at least the next year. Okay. Uh, but we want to support it because if if you as a developer, you just want to um, work on desktop, why not? And not support the, the mobile branch, that's fine. And you can then uh, take advantage of new features that bring WebGL to its faster and smoother. Okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to mention that we didn't go over? Uh, just one thing, we okay. also support WebVR. Oh, okay. Uh, VR, so if you have an Oculus Rift or a, um, HTC Vive or even a Game Gear, uh, game, uh, no, it's not Game Gear, sorry, it's uh, the Gear VR. Gear, yeah. Gear, yeah, Gear VR. Uh, it's supported basically in, with one line of code. You just turn on uh, WebVR with just one line of code and that works directly. You don't have to think about projecting to two different eyes and computing the matrices. No, it's free. That's awesome. Now, is that a feature of WebGL or is that something you guys built? So we base our work on the web VR stuff. Um, so Edge, Chrome, Firefox. Oh, are gotcha. it. Okay. So they provide for us the, um, the abstraction to the hardware, as always with the web. And then on top of that, we built the, uh, the, the camera stuff. We also support, um, and we are the only engine to do that, the uh, HoloLens. So you can build a game with uh, Babylon.js for HoloLens as well, if you want. Okay, very cool. Now, when, whenever you say we, like who's involved in this project? So as Microsoft is, we are four people. So there is David Rousset, um, Sebastian Vanderberg, and Etienne Rousset who are working with me. Uh, and uh, um, I have a big, strong community. Uh, I would say 10 really core people from the community. They are working all over the world. Um, that helps us a lot. It's open source, so that's the... Yeah. That's the cool stuff of the open source uh, community. You provide something, they help you yeah. evolve, uh, adding more stuff. On yeah, it. it's a cycle. Yeah, it's clearly a, a virtual, um, virtual cycle. Yeah, exactly. And not a virtual one. Okay. <laughs> this is really cool. I need to come up with a use. I need to come up with a, um, something that I need to use this for because I really want to play around with this some more. <laughs> and, and actually, you should, we have a playground. If you go to Babylon, I was, I was, I was, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, you can hit what? Try, I think. Yes, and it's live. It's directly in the um, in your browser. You have nothing to install. You can just play with it. Yeah, that is very. I, we have sample on the upper uh, right corner where you can choose advanced feature, and you can see immediately the code required to do that. Uh, so we, oh yeah, know. look at that. Oh yeah, like particles, and then I can see the code. So yeah, about less than a hundred lines of code to do like particle physics. Wow. Oh yeah, definitely. You have the uh, shadows one where there is uh, dynamic shadows on top of the ground. It's the it's like sixty nine lines. Oh, that's cool. It's like a it's a it's a it's a inner tube that's flying above a mountain. <laughs> yeah. And then you can play with it. You can change whatever you want. Hit the run button. You can even save it and share that with your friends, like uh, JS Fidel. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Does, yep. Okay. That's really cool. So I don't even, I don't have to download anything. I have to install anything. I can no, no, no. just edit my browser. Just to get a test and start using it, just go to the playground. That's enough. Okay. So Carl, your goal is to make something with the MS Dev Show logo in it. And then we can put it in the show notes. I would love to see and... an MS Dev Show 3D logo or something like that. Yeah. Okay, Carl, what's, what's the ETA on that? <laughs> it's already done. Just consider it done. He's like, I'm going to kill you after the show. If you were near me, I would kill you now. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, should we move on? Sure. Looks like you have a dev tip of the week, Carl. Yeah. So if you uh, are in, into watching like live streams on February 8th, Microsoft is live streaming a whole day of content. They're calling it the windows developer day for the creators update. And there's going to be people like Kevin Gallo and people on the windows engineering team. that are going to show uh, 
everybody, what's the latest in Windows 10, APIs, tooling, uh, all the way from to make consumer apps to uh, more enterprise line of business apps. Uh, they mentioned even stuff like uh, the latest advances for Bash. So I know it's going to be a pretty cool uh, event. I've heard a few things that are going to be in there. So definitely interesting for those who like to keep up on the latest and greatest. And it's not just going to be all UWP stuff, too. There's uh, web stuff out there. And that ba- I that, recommend just checking it out. That Bash stuff is freaking amazing, by the way. I, I can't believe how excited people I was in. I was in a room full of people with Macs. And I said, Hey, why, you know, and, and listen, I, I have a Mac too. I use, I use everything. I usually use windows. I prefer windows, but I said, um, <clears throat> what are you guys using a Mac for? And they, they threw out a couple of use cases. I'm like, uh, you can do all that on the PC. And I showed them the bash shell and they're like, Whoa, they're like, how does that work? And then I actually showed them, uh, our copy or the, our episode on the, on the bash shell. <laughs> and they were like all, <laughs> they're all converts. And they're like, okay, we're going to go ask for PCs. They wanted to get the, the surface book. Um, like bash is, it's going to sell developer machines. Uh, it's just, that was yep. just awesome. And I'm excited for the upcoming features. I mean, there were, there were only a couple things in that were kind of a hassle. Uh, but now, you know, I think we talked about a different episode where you can actually launch like windows executables from, from bash. Now um, they're just making that, that experience more and more seamless. And it, it's just going to uh, um, make windows, um, you know, obviously the best choice for, for development, which is super exciting to me. Uh, okay, David. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to remind everybody that the date was February 8th. Okay. Awesome. Okay, David, you know the drill with this game. You need to pick a number between one and four inclusive, and then you can tell me. <laughs> four. Sorry. <laughs> uh, would you rather be covered in itchy scabs or have popcorn shells stuck in between every tooth? Oh, popcorn. Okay. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that makes sense. And I guess it doesn't say whether or not you can remove them, though, I, uh, either way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take number one, Jason. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to cross this off. So I don't do it again. Okay. Number one, would you rather put on a pair of shoes filled with duck droppings or put on a hat full of raw eggs? Uh, raw eggs sound a lot more sanitary than duck droppings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't say you have to wear the shoes forever though, (laughs) but you could wear, maybe you could wear socks though. And then maybe, well, yeah, but then your shoes are ruined, right? Yeah. Although it doesn't say they're your shoes. I don't know. We need to, we need to have like the author of this game. Well, as long as they're your shoes, this is as long as they're my (laughs) shoes. Thanks, Carl. (laughs) Okay, David, uh, where can people find you? Actually, where can they find Babylon JS is probably even better question at this point. Uh, So Babylon JS, it's easy. BabylonJS.com. Okay. And And for me, you just can go to Twitter. My uh, handle is Delta Kosh, D E L T A K O S H. Perfect. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And I'm Jason Young. You can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So David, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Babylon JS. And I'm sure Thank you guys. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again about the next thing that you're working on.